When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He is a Virginia Tech grad and Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question. Would you rather have your coach get caught cheating on his wife with a coworker via motorcycle accident or get caught using the company phone to contact escort services while on recruiting trips in Tampa? Uh, get caught cheating on his wife with a coworker via motorcycle accident because that's funnier. That's, that's, like the crash, that's like the crash landing, right? So you got the whole buildup. And then you have the crash, both literally and figuratively. It's like, oh, man, I really shouldn't have done that. Oh, I also got in a motorcycle crash. It really hinders my ability to coach my team. Because, Joey, we're talking about Louisville tonight. Who else? <gasps> oh, that's a good point. Also, yes, on, a, on an unrelated note, we're talking about Louisville tonight, um, where, yes, I think I agree with you. I think I would rather have my coach get caught cheating on his wife with a coworker via motorcycle accident. Because at least there's, there's photo evidence of that, first of all. There's a great photo of you know, the guy with you know, the neck brace on in a... In a uh, in a, in a press conference. And then that also doesn't involve any sanctions to the programs. So there's no long lasting damage, just kind of a, a, a big head shaker there. So plus I love apology tours as well. And he had to go on an apology tour, which is always fun. Oh yes. And as a, as a Falcons fan, I am all about the Bobby Petrino apology tour. Um, he, he gets to, uh, he gets to enjoy every bit of misery that he gets. So anyways, Mike, we're talking about Louisville tonight. We're previewing the 2017 season. We just have a few of these left before we, we move on to the actual season, actual games. Those are coming up soon. But to start out, let's let's start with Louisville's offense. And we've talked a lot on, on these various previews that we've done about Lamar Jackson and all of this. And so to take a little bit of a different look at him as a player, I want to ask you your thoughts. What does Lamar Jackson have to do this year to show you uh, and convince you that he is – worthy of being an NFL level quarterback so let's make a comparison here to a few quarterbacks who have recently been drafted or or guys that kind of compare to Lamar Jackson um one is kind of an old school example Michael Vick Michael Vick extremely good athlete really worked on his arm over his time at Virginia Tech and then improved in the pros from the time he was with the Falcons on through his NFL career and then of course when he was in the slammer for dogfighting he had a lot of time to throw the football around at that point. Uh, yeah, he had some time to work on his mechanics as he progressed throughout his NFL career. Then you have a guy like Johnny Manziel who just caught the snap and then let's find out what happens next. It was never, okay, catch the snap. I'm going to work through my reads. I'm going to throw the football. It was always catch a snap, run all over the place, be really exciting, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully it works. And then you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech who has a huge arm and was just drafted in the, in the first round, you know, top 10 pick by the Kansas City Chiefs. 
he has a lot of the same issues. He's working on his mechanics in the pocket and has a huge arm and is extremely athletic and get outside the pocket, make a bunch of throws, and he's crazy fun to watch too. We don't know what to make of Mahomes. Michael Vick was a pretty serviceable NFL quarterback over the course of his career, and Johnny Mansell's out of the league, but that's not just because of his football ability. It's because, you know, off-the-field problems, as we all know. Lamar Jackson has something in common with all these guys, and that's his mechanics in the pocket. He, you know, to his credit, he hasn't had the opportunity with the offensive line in front of him because the offensive line has been so bad to really refine those mechanics. He's had to run for his life over the duration of his career with Louisville, both his freshman year and his sophomore year last year when he broke out and won the Heisman Trophy. He only completed a smidge over 56% of his passes last year. He just doesn't have great mechanics in the pocket, and that's not because he doesn't have the ability to. It's because he hasn't had time to throw from the pocket. I think that's the number one thing he has to do. He's been able to read through his progressions relatively well when considering all the other stuff he's had to go through when he catches the snap. Given how bad the offensive line's been, the running game has been suspect at best. You know, he was basically a one-man wrecking crew on the offensive side of the ball last year. So for him to become a true NFL quarterback, I think he has to show an ability to stay in the pocket and make all the throws that a professional quarterback can make. And to this point, he hasn't been able to do that. That's the one area of his game he needs to improve. And maybe that's why he hasn't received all the hype following a Heisman-winning season that he had last year heading into 2017. He's the forgotten quarterback in college football right now. So... It'll be interesting to see how he progresses. Uh, you know, my gut feeling is that a guy who receives all the accolades that he had last year and, you know, will be very good this year, my gut feeling is that he'll try to test the waters in the NFL following this season. But I think the smart thing to do, especially if he doesn't improve his mechanics a whole a whole lot from the pocket, I think the smart thing would would be to return for his senior season. But a lot of that hinges now on what he does in 2017, which, of course, remains to be seen. We kick off in about a week. So improving the mechanics from the pocket is the biggest thing. Reading through his progressions, continuing to improve in that regard is second because the athleticism is always going to be there. I would say that there's something to be said for feeling comfortable in the pocket. I, I think that if you're looking at you know acceptable quarterback bill of rights, like one of the things you have to feel the right to being protected and I, I don't think if you if, if you don't feel like you're going to be protected by your offensive line, it totally throws off everything else. You know, you get very antsy, uh, much more willing to just leave the pocket and, and run and, and try to throw on the run, um, all this. And so I think if, if he can sort that out, I think that maybe helps to a certain degree. I, I'm with you, though. I mean, the biggest thing that we've got to see more of from him is, is accuracy. Um, and, and some of that maybe is getting some help from his receivers and who, you know, whoever is, uh, is the, the target. You know, he wasn't always getting help against certain defenses last year. But ultimately, he, I, in his freshman year in 2015, he was almost solely reliant on his legs and running the option in, in trying to generate offense. And he was very good at it. You saw a, a – a, an evolution going into 2016. He, he threw the ball far more effectively than he did uh, his freshman year. Obviously playing for Bobby Petrino, a guy who's coached a lot of very, very good quarterbacks at the college level. Some have translated to the NFL. I think Bobby Petrino can coach him on, on passing. I just want to see that transition again from 2016 to 2017. I want to see him take that next step 
and time is going to just have to tell if we if he does take that step or if maybe we've seen about where Lamar Jackson caps off and what you see is what you get and and whether that translates to the NFL or not is is up for anybody's discussion. Yeah, so the offensive line is a major question. I mean, Mike Summers is taking over for Chris Klonakis as the offensive line coach. My gut feeling is that it will help things offensively. He's coming from Florida, and the Gators have been kind of a mess on offense over the last few years. It's been kind of up and down, right? Um, a lot of that's been due to, well, a guy like Will Greer getting suspended, and then you got receivers getting suspended this year, and you got you know a running game that's suspect, and Jim McElwain's offense not exactly panning out. So my gut feeling for the offensive line is that it will improve for Lamar Jackson this year. Um, with that being said, this isn't the most exciting or sexy hire. I'm Not that an offensive line coach ever is an exciting or sexy hire, but I think you needed to make an improvement. Uh, I don't know if Mike Summers is necessarily an improvement, but they have to feel good about him coming from an SEC offense even though it is coming from Florida, which, you know, they've had plenty of issues in their own right, uh, keeping the quarterback upright in the pocket and getting a running game going. Uh, I'm more inclined, Joey, and, and, you know, I'll be interested to hear your opinion on this. Uh, I'm more inclined to think that, you know, having a uh, more consistent running game will be the first step, uh, really, to to getting Lamar Jackson standing upright more often than he was last year um, and, and giving the offensive line uh, – you know, some leeway, especially on passing downs, um, not getting in these third and long situations where, you know, Lamar Jackson is going to drop back and throw and you can send the house. Uh, I, I think giving the offensive line some leeway with a more consistent running game, which of course starts up front. Uh, I, I think that'll be the first step towards improving the offense as a whole. But uh, what do you think? Do you think the offensive line coach, the new hire, do you think that really improves Louisville and gets things going offensively? It was already a good unit last year, but do you think it improves things? It's kind of a weird setup, and I, I don't totally know what to think of it. So Mike Summers previously coached under Bobby Petrino at Louisville, at the you know with the Falcons, uh, at Arkansas even, and and seemed to do a fairly good job of it at all those stops. Part of my question is that I think that the the strategy that Petrino was using in in his first run at Louisville and the strategy he was using at Arkansas is kind of different than the one he's using right now. So I don't totally know if if Summers is going to be able to fit that style. Um, but it's, it's encouraging that he's got a, the track record that he does not only just, you know, successfully coaching offensive lines, but specifically under a Bobby Petrino system. I think that's very encouraging. The other thing that's, that's kind of iffy to me is that he's coming from Florida. He's been under Jim McElwain under, uh, for the last three years. And it's one of those situations where he's leaving Florida and Florida fans are kind of like, don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. You know, like they don't, they don't really care. It's kind of a good riddance thing. They, they're happy to see him go to some degree. And so that's, that's kind of a suspicious sign to me as well. Although McIlwain is an offensive guy, runs his own system. So maybe there was some sort of clash there. I can't really speak to that. I'm not an offensive line guru by any stretch of the imagination, but at the end of the day, I, it, as bad as things were for the offensive line last year, it can't hurt to hear things from somebody else. So maybe that's just the easy way to look at this. Um, but ultimately, I, I mean, I think we're going to have a pretty easy time seeing maybe fairly quickly how good this offensive line can be. I mean, they've got Clemson in week three, NC State in week six. Um, so really pretty early on, we're going to have a couple pretty good looks at what this offensive line is able to do relative to what they did last year. We'll talk schedule here in a little bit, but 
ultimately, I, I I don't know. It's kind of a, a a prove it to me kind of thing. I don't know about you, Mike. Yeah, I mean, prove it. We'll wait and see. Um, improvement in the running game is needed. I think uh, you start there. Whether it's running with Lamar Jackson, I mean, he was the leading rusher last year. Uh, he, he was the leading passer. He was, you know, uh, the touchdowns were off the charts. I mean, Lamar Jackson is just a special talent, but I think giving him help is what is needed. And I think it starts up front. Uh, I think a change in voice, to your point, doesn't hurt. Uh, I don't know if it's the solution. Uh, I think it's a, a possible solution. Uh, and, and this is going to be a good offense. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, this is going to be a team that puts up a ton of points because that's what they've done under Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino's teams put up a lot of points. They play good enough defense to get by, and that's what Louisville was last year, um, with the exception of the Florida State game where Louisville just completely shut down the Seminoles. And, and some of it, you know, to DeAndre Francois' you know, chagrin. I mean, a lot of that's because he's a true freshman going into a really tough environment there at Louisville. So, I, you know. Uh, we'll see. I, I think it does start up front, and I, I think the the fact they're going to have a new voice in there helps. And running the ball will make this team even more explosive and more dynamic. Um, and having Lamar Jackson out in the open field as much as he as much as he was last year, I think, will be another another way to get this thing continuing to move in the right direction. But Louisville's offense is going to be fantastic. It'll be one of the best offenses in the conference, but. For Lamar Jackson to prove that he's an NFL-type quarterback and to take that next step that he wants to take as a pocket passer, they're going to have to keep him upright, and that comes from a variety of areas. Uh, over on the defensive side of the ball, Joey, uh, it was a very good defense statistically last year. Um, and I don't know necessarily that they were as good as they were ranked. Um, they had a team that did everything they did against uh, against Florida State uh, to start the season, and uh, you know Louisville was kind of on fire because Lamar Jackson was lighting up all these you know terrible opponents they were playing to start the year, and then he does the same thing against Florida State. And he's receiving all the hype, and really Louisville's defense was every bit as good in that Florida State game. But what you saw towards the end of the year, as you saw with Lamar Jackson and the offense, is things started to take a little bit of a slide towards the end of the year and kind of go downhill a bit. And Todd Grantham ends up moving on to Mississippi State. And Peter Sermon makes his way from Mississippi State to Louisville. So they swap defensive coordinators. And I'm not really sure what this does overall if this moves the needle. This is a lot like the offensive line coach for me. I don't really know how much this moves the needle for me. But who wins that trade for you, Joey, between Louisville and Mississippi State as they swap defensive coordinators? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. College football comedians everywhere. Like I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I don't know. I mean, so so here's the thing: is that Peter Sermon is a, was the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State last year. The defense wasn't great, and that was the first time he was ever a defensive coordinator. In his past, he's always been a linebackers coach between Tennessee, Washington, USC. I think maybe more importantly in the long run, he's also been a recruiting coordinator, which would indicate to me that he's a strong recruiter, which would help put uh, talent on that defense. But I don't really know. I mean, like you said, I, I think that the defense graded out from a metric standpoint a lot better than I would have graded them. You know, if you told me that that was a top 20 defense, I would have been pretty shocked. And really, I think what it was, was Louisville was actually pretty stifling on, a, on any one given play defensively. 
but they also had the the strong propensity to allow just the random big play to happen. So in in the S and P Plus metrics, they ranked third nationally in success rate. They were ninety fourth nationally in isolated points per play, which tells you that they they gave up explosive plays uh, very frequently whenever the offense did find some success. So that's I think that's pretty much in line with what I would have expected. You know, they were generally pretty good, but they left the door open for uh, for big plays here and there, and that was kind of frustrating for me to watch. Ultimately, as a Louisville fan, I probably got a little spoiled there for a few years watching Charlie Strong's defenses, which were always uh, pretty big and bad and, and dominant over those those games. Um, I don't – we're going to talk in a minute maybe about some of the talent that was lost on the defense. So I, I, I'm concerned that – the coaching isn't really going to improve or decline here for this defense, but you might see the production uh, decrease considerably just based on some of the guys that have left. I'm not super hyped about Peter Sermon. I mean, he's only 40 years old. He's relatively young in coaching circles, you know, and again, this is his second season now as a defensive coordinator at, at really any level. So sometimes maybe it's a little hard to say, but overall, I, I don't know. Maybe, Sure, go Louisville. Louisville won this trade. I don't have a good reason to give you why, though. Yeah, so they win that trade, and to continue on with the defense, you know, Louisville brings back most of the guys from last year's unit, which could be a very good thing or a bad thing. They lose some star power. They lose D'Angelo Brown, Keith Kelsey, Devontae Fields, a couple linebackers in that group that were really, really solid players. Um They lose your buddy Josh Harvey Clemens in the secondary too, which Ugh. I don't star power, right? Um, so what do you think? I mean, yes, they return a lot of the guys that were on last year's defense. And I think overall it was an above average group defensively, but maybe not graded as high as a lot of the advanced metrics and a lot of the normal statistics would suggest. Do you think they keep up the production that they had last year? I'm not really sure that they do quite honestly, uh, which is why I personally see Louisville taking a little bit of a step back. I think Lamar Jackson will be fantastic. The offense will be really good once again. But if the defense is more of the defense that we saw the second half of last season, I'm not really going to be that high on Louisville. But if it's more like the defense we saw in the first half of last season, this is going to be a really good football team that can compete in the Atlantic Division for for not only being in top three spots, but being a championship-type team out of that division. So I think the defense really does matter that much. I mean, it's a second biggest question mark on the team in my opinion despite having so many guys returned it's the second biggest question mark behind how that offensive line is going to block for Lamar Jackson so what do you think I mean what do you think of the defense overall um kind of a mixed bag when you look at last year and this year but they do have a lot of guys returning first of all I'm going to point out you mentioned Josh Harvey Clemens being a little bit of a star power and I I groaned because as those who listened last year know, I, I got incredibly frustrated that Josh Harvey Clemens was a remarkably talented player that just had the, just the the undying ability to do so, do something stupid, and it was just it was just all the time it was something stupid would happen. It was Josh Harvey Clemens doing it, um, which by the way, when you're talking about a defense that's really good on most plays and sometimes allows the big play, Josh Harvey Clemens is like the mascot for that. Like that's that's a perfect embodiment of what that defense was last year. Um, I have major concerns about this, Mike. So if you look at the the guys who really led this defense and who are leaving the team, D'Angelo Brown, Keith Kelsey, Devontae Fields, these guys were extremely talented guys. You know, coming out of high school, they're just very talented football players. 
Not to mention that D'Angelo Brown and Keith Kelsey were still holdovers from the Charlie Strong administration there at Louisville uh, from from a few years ago. Those those guys are all gone at this point. Basically, any any of Charlie's players are now out of the program. My problem is that the guys coming in to to fill in for Brown, Kelsey, Fields, even even maybe Josh Harvey Clemens in the secondary, none of them have that that highly talented, you know, highly toted nature that really you expect them to step in and be impact guys immediately. Um, they bring back plenty of production, you know, guys that have experience and have made tackles and have played in games, maybe even gotten some starts and such. But really what the defense loses is that star power, you know, the, the really game-changing player, again, that Keith Kelsey could be and was. Um, he was probably the best player on the defense. You know, the guy that Devontae Fields was that he could get after the quarterback like just about as good as anybody. You're not getting that kind of, of talent coming in to replace those guys. And that's my biggest concern is you switch to a, a different defensive coordinator. I don't know really what that means from a scheme difference. Maybe they stay aggressive and, and then it, it it looks similar. But ultimately, I don't expect the the results to be similar just given that the talent has gone from that defense. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Uh, that's almost entirely how I feel. Um, but it'll be interesting because I think this team really hinges on just two aspects. Um, it's the offensive line and how well the defense performs while losing, while, while returning a bunch of guys, but losing the star power that you mentioned. So it'll be really interesting to see. But let's look at the schedule, Joey. Let's break this down a little bit for all the listeners. A um, couple cupcakes early, in my opinion, before they have a home game against Clemson. Louisville's got a home game against Purdue, which they should win by about 1,000. And then they go on the road to UNC, and UNC is sure to be terrible, in my opinion. We'll preview them and have that out uh, later this week. Uh, so you, you start 2-0 and in theory. You have Clemson at home followed by Kent State and Murray State. I think Louisville loses to Clemson because Clemson's front seven, uh, the entire defense is fantastic, but the front seven is going to give Louisville's offensive line hell. Because of that, I like Clemson in that game, in the rematch, um, even though they, even though Louisville gets the game at home. Uh, then they got Kent State and Murray State, two more wins. So should be 4-1 and one out of the gate unless something unexpected happens. Then you go on the road to NC State, which... If you all have listened to the NC State preview that we released last week, both Joey and I are high on NC State this year to the point where we both picked the Wolfpack to win that game on Thursday night in October. I like NC State in that game. NC State is at home against Louisville. I think Louisville loses their second game there before playing Boston College. I think Louisville beats Boston College, but I do think they lose the following week on the road to Florida State. But then I think Louisville wins the rest of their games. So they have Wake Forest on the road, then Virginia and Syracuse at home in the road game with Kentucky. I don't. I, Kentucky's going to be a good team this year. I think they're going to be a, a much improved team in the SEC. But I think Louisville's going to exact some some payback because that Kentucky game got away from them last year. That's a game Louisville should have won and, and run away with. Their their minds really weren't in it after that Houston loss. Um, they didn't know what they were really playing for at that point because they had now had two losses and then they lost that game at home to Kentucky at the end of the year. That's a bad taste to leave in your mouth. And for a, a lot of guys that are going to be seniors this year on Louisville's team, you don't want to lose to Kentucky two years in a row. So I think Louisville does win that game. So, Joey, I see 9-3. and three. Um, 
I have trouble seeing it get much worse than that unless Louisville unexpectedly drops one of those two opening games to Purdue or UNC, which I don't think there's any chance in the world that that happens. Purdue was terrible on defense and on offense, and North Carolina loses their entire offense, plus Gene Chizik. I, I think they lose the games they're supposed to lose and win the games they're supposed to win. I do think they lose to NC State, so maybe Louisville is now the bar in the ACC. I don't know. We'll see. But I got them at 9-3. and three. What do you think? I, so so I'll, I'll preface this by saying that I think that the, 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 the path to victory for Louisville this year is score a lot of points on offense, force turnovers and three and outs on defense. You know, just play a really aggressive style of defense and get the ball back. Or, you know, if, if they're going to score, let them score. But your offense is going to be hard to stop by anybody. So let them dictate the game rather than the defense. And that being said, I look, the first game against Purdue, that's a, a neutral site game in Indianapolis. First game of the Jeff Brom era, that's an interesting one with Purdue. You know, is Jeff Brom is a Louisville alumnus, you know, so he's got lots of Louisville ties. Bobby Petrino, a former assistant kind of guy. So... Interesting, I think would be even way more interesting in like two years when he's got actually time to get his feet under him and, and set things up at Purdue. But for now, that's a super easy win. You referenced a lot of other games through here. I, I'm looking again. I'm kind of leaning on S&P Plus predictions right now. If you look at these games, games that Louisville is given at least a 70% chance to win by S&P Plus, which is considerably favored, nine of them. And so I think that's pretty much in line with what you're saying there. Right? On the money, buddy. On the money. So nine wins pretty much in the book at that point. That's Purdue, North Carolina, Kent State, Murray State, Boston College, Wake Forest, Virginia, Syracuse, and Kentucky. The three games that they're not favored by at least 70% in. A road game at NC State, 64% favored. And I'm going to come back to that one in just a second. Uh, Clemson at home, I, I'm with you. I think Clemson's defensive front probably eats Louisville's offensive line alive. Uh, I, I don't see Louisville winning that game unless somehow their defense is able to create some mistakes and some new Clemson personnel. We'll have to see. On the road at Florida State, I I, I don't like that matchup at all. Maybe I'm maybe that changes by then. But, yeah, so I'm going to take losses to Clemson, Florida State. And as you've mentioned – from the NC State preview, uh, a Thursday night in Raleigh against that front seven at NC State this year against you know Louisville's offensive line. I am not a fan of that matchup at all. Uh, maybe I'm singing a different tune when we get to early October, Mike. But for now, with what I haven't, with, with what I know and what I saw last year and what I'm expecting this team, give me a loss there as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go nine and three. Even if they do manage to upset either NC State or Clemson, and I'm saying upset with. You know, the caveat that NC State's probably not going to be favored in that game, at least as of this moment. But if, if they do manage to beat one of Clemson or NC State, I also feel good that they're going to drop a dumb one somewhere. So, you know, if it's going to happen, let it happen. I'm going to go 9-3. and three. They also have never won 10 games under Bobby Petrino, at least in this current uh, coaching regime. So just going to go with history on that one as well. What do you think the floor is for this team, Mike? So the floor, in my opinion, is probably eight and four. But even then, like, I don't know where the fourth loss is. So that means you lose to everybody you're supposed to lose to. And then you drop a dumb one. And uh, like, who are they going to drop a dumb one to? I mean, I guess on the road to Kentucky is a pretty good candidate. I mean, I don't see them losing to Boston College. I mean, Boston College has a nice front seven, but Boston College is offense. I mean, you and I can assemble a couple peewee teams and get them on the field and it's the same thing i mean it's just like 
uh, you know, I, I could play quarterback at Boston College left-handed and, and be in better shape. So I, I don't know. I don't trust Boston College's offense, as you can probably tell. But, yeah, I mean, probably 8-4 and four is the floor. I mean, that means you you lose the three you're supposed to lose and then drop well, – not supposed to lose. I mean, a lot of people will have them beating NC State, but lose the three you think you're going to lose, and then uh, drop a dumb one, which I guess would be on the road to Kentucky. I, I don't see them losing at home to Syracuse. Uh, I guess if it gets into a shootout, Syracuse has a shot there. But, you know, I think Louisville has enough athletes on defense to get by the Orange, especially at home. If it was at the Carrier Dome, I think then maybe that's the one you choose there late in the season in November. Um but, but the other teams on here, I mean, Boston College, Wake Forest, Virginia, I, you know, they're not. I just don't think they'll lose any of those games. So I guess eight and four is is the floor for me. Um, it's funny because last year we get halfway through the season and we talk about Bobby Petrino still not having a ten win team at Louisville. Uh, you know, I, I think we're all very surprised that last year wasn't the year they got to 10 wins. I mean, going into that Houston game, it looked pretty good that they were going to get to 10 wins, and they still somehow found a way to not get it done. And it's just a huge surprise with how they ended last year. Um, the Houston loss more than the Kentucky loss. Kentucky lost their heads just weren't in after losing to Houston because they were in the playoff hunt, and then all of a sudden that went out the window after losing to Houston. So I get you drop the Kentucky game, but, you know, essentially doesn't matter at that point. But, you know, you just want to try to perform better than you did at the end of last year. You lost three straight to end last year if you include the bowl game against LSU. And I think if you're Louisville, you try to you try to right the ship here early in the year and then maybe try to surprise Clemson because Clemson's got a couple of tough games there in September. I mean, they play Louisville on the road, and then they go on the road to Blacksburg. I mean, Clemson will not be looking ahead, per se, at Virginia Tech because Louisville is, is every bit as good and, and probably better than Virginia Tech. But, I, you know, I think Clemson's got two tough games there. So, you know, Louisville uh, could be competitive in that game, and they're going to have to at least put up a good showing. But that front seven with the Tigers, I trust them so much more than I do the Louisville offensive line. I, I love Lamar Jackson, everything he does, everything he did last year, and what he was able to do against really good defenses like Florida State. But I just have a hard time seeing him having a good day with Clemson's front seven being as good and more experienced than they were last year. Um, I think that's huge. So I'm, I'm just going to stick with 9-3. and three. I think 8-4 and four is the floor, though. Mike, I'm going to find you three more losses on here. I'm gonna I'm gonna find my way to six and six. You want to talk Let's about a do it. doomsday oh scenario? Yeah, that would be something. I have no idea where those losses are. So let's let's do it. I'll Entertain bring it on. Me. All right, North Carolina could be dangerous. You never know. Bringing back basically nothing on offense, but Larry Fedora coaches a good offense, so who knows? All right, but let's throw that one out. You remember who they were uh, losing to going into the fourth quarter against last year? Uh, they were losing to Boston College going into the fourth quarter last year. No, 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 Wake no, Forest. No. They were losing to Wake Forest going into the fourth quarter last year. Yeah. Sorry, Wake Forest. It was that Wakey Leak scandal that came from that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Wake Forest, yep. Wake Forest in late October. Yeah, Dave Clawson might have the uh, the fight in Steeman Deacons ready to go. That's in Winston-Salem. That could be a loss. Syracuse, the fight in Dino Babers. That could be a dangerous offense. They might score a lot of points. Who knows? I'll give you I'll give you that. If that gets into a shootout, I think that could be an interesting game to watch because neither defense if neither defense shows up, it's anybody's guess who wins that one. Kentucky, they lost that game last year. I'm telling you, I 
I could give you a floor of six losses, and it wouldn't be a, just a total un, unbelievably unforeseen thing from what we saw last year. I'll say. Do that. we know what the Do we know what the over under is right now on Louisville heading into the year for wins? You know I, I would expect. I don't know it off the top of my head. I would expect it's right at nine, which is again pretty much on par with what Bobby Petrino has ever done uh, in, in this current stay at Louisville. So I'm going nine. At nine, would you be more inclined to take the over or the under? I go at under nine wins. Yeah, I'd go under two. I think because I, 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 like you said, I mean, I have trouble seeing. I have trouble seeing six losses here, but. If you squint and look at this thing sideways, you can see four losses, mm-hmm. um, and that means that you know you dropped a game to UNC or you dropped a game to Syracuse or Kentucky. I mean, they they lost to Kentucky last year at home. Who's to say they can't do it on the road? And Kentucky's going to be better, so I think that's the one game to watch, I guess. And if they do end up losing to Clemson, Florida State, and NC State, there you go, you're there. So, uh, you know, in this scenario. You know, Louisville will would have three losses heading into the back end of October, which means they're going to have four games remaining after Florida State, where they'd already have three losses. You got Wake Forest on the road, you have Virginia and Syracuse at home, and then you have Kentucky on the road. As you mentioned, Louisville was losing to Wake Forest heading into the fourth quarter last year. Virginia, uh, you know, Louisville. I don't know what the spread's going to be in that game. It's not going to be pretty. I like Louisville there, but I think the Syracuse and Kentucky games are where you could see a game being dropped, uh, especially since Louisville just lost to Kentucky last year. If you were going to pick them to go under nine, I think they're a nine and three team. I think they're going to win all those games. I think they'll beat Kentucky and Syracuse, Virginia and Wake Forest, and just lose, lose those three games that we mentioned against Florida State, NC State, and Clemson. But I think I would take the under there. By the way, we totally poo-pooed Virginia here. Virginia also damn near beat Louisville last year. Yeah, they really they really did, and it's easy to to look at this team two and ten last year, and they were really close a couple bounces away. We had Matt Trockton on from Street Heath Lawn. I mean, he brought it up. They were really a couple bounces away from winning five games last year, and he's not wrong. As bad as Virginia was on the field last year as a product, I mean, they were really close to being a five or six win team. I mean, it really wasn't that far out of the realm of possibility. So. Yeah, Virginia was right in the mix against Louisville. A pretty scary situation there. But, you know, you consider the talent that Virginia has in the front seven. you got Quinn Blanding in the secondary. I mean, there is some talent on that defense for as bad as they are as a unit. I think if you're if you're playing the over-under, I think, you, I think there's a better chance that they lose four-plus games than there is a chance that they win ten-plus. So I'm taking the under and probably just expecting to hit the push. I think nine and three is a fair ex- expectation here. Let's go with that and stick with it because I'm going to have a hard time seeing them lose more than four games. But, you know, may the odds be in your favor <laughs> on the uh, betting side of things. All right. I've got us down for nine and three each. Um, Mike, does Lamar repeat as ACC player of the year? <sighs> Man, we'll get into a season preview week one pod, and I don't want to dispel that. But... No, I'm going to go with DeAndre Francois at Florida State. I do buy the Seminoles. I do buy Francois on him improving. And I do also buy that voters have bias against voting the same guy to win the award twice. So because of that, I I think Lamar Jackson will be great. I think if he puts up numbers they did last year, it'll be impossible not to give him player of the year. 
Um, I, I do think statistically it takes a little bit of a step back. I think he'll be every bit as good, but maybe the stats don't line up as much as they do last year. And if Francois has a year like I think he can, and he does take that step forward as a passer and you know as an athlete outside the pocket and Florida State's in contention for you know not only the ACC championship but a college football playoff berth, you know, I think – you'll have a hard time not giving it to the guy at the center of that offense who I think is going to be DeAndre Francois. I'm not going to reveal my pick, but spoiler alert, I also am not picking Lamar ja- or, uh, Lamar Jackson to win ACC Player of the Year this year. Don't think he can repeat. Don't think he can do it, Mike. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. And it's not because of, you know, I, I don't think he's talented enough to do it. I mean, he obviously is. He won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, if you win the Heisman, you can win Player of the Year. And I think the stats will be very solid. But that was legitimately a record-breaking statistical year last year. And the chances of doing that twice are very slim. And if he doesn't do that again, if he doesn't have a record-breaking year but has, like, a really, really good, solid statistical year and there's somebody who's every bit as good, they're not going to give it to him twice. They're just not. I mean, how many times has there been a repeat Heisman winner? I, you know what I mean? It's just, like, there aren't many times that awards are given to the same guy twice unless statistically it's just hands down, not a debate. And I think there are too, there's too much talent in the ACC this year on both sides of the football that... I'd be very, very surprised, no matter what Lamar Jackson does, unless it's another record-breaking year, uh, it would be very interesting to see him winning Player of the Year again. By the way, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I picked him to win Player of the Year last year, so maybe I'll get it right again this year. We'll have yeah, to see. yeah, one for one. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? No, nah, I think we're good. I think we rumbled on about offensive line and defensive problems long enough, so. I think we covered it. I think we're good. Yeah, we did. We did. So hopefully you guys enjoyed your Louisville preview tonight because this is is it. It wasn't too bad, I don't think. I think we covered all the bases and the schedule, and Lamar Jackson's still really good. Oh, yeah. If nothing else, watch Louisville for Lamar Jackson because he is is just a total treat to watch. He's awesome. Yeah, despite what we said about the offense and the defense, he's must-see TV. So watch him. Yeah. Either really good or really bad. It's worth watching. Uh, Mike, let's get out of here. we got some more stuff to do. Uh, in, in the meantime, until next time, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, you can also send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns, anything you want us to lead off the next podcast with. You know, Send it all over to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it, sir. Woo. Uh, you could also find us on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud, on the Overcast app, on uh, Android and iPhone devices. And Mike, where can they find us on social medias? Facebook.com slash basketball conference, rate, review, and we also post podcasts there, believe it or not. We also got a great message from a, a listener the other day. So um, if you guys have thoughts on this podcast, you know, if you disagree with what we're saying or whatever, like the DMs are open, so send us a send us a message and, and let us know what you're thinking. Slide into those. Absolutely. Slide up in those DMs. Uh, Facebook.com slash basketball conference. Uh, Mike, I think that's all. This has been a lot of fun, and we got a couple more of these things to do, but you want to come back and do this again soon? Absolutely, sir. I will be there. Again. Yeah. We're getting close to the season. It's exciting, and uh, I'm excited to actually get into actual football. We are very, very close. Anyways, uh, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, my name is Joey Weaver. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, 
Go ACC.